Pray with me this morning as we ask the Spirit to attend us. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the words of that song. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Give us Jesus today. A glimpse of your character, a glimpse of who you are. May the thoughts of our minds and the meditation of our hearts be continually upon the beauty of the character of Jesus Christ. For we ask these things in his name. Bless us now as we open this service time, this time in our worship service to spend time meditating on heavenly themes. We pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today is our second installment in our two-part mini-series that we've entitled Becoming Like Jesus, and let's do a brief review of last Sabbath study. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. That was the focus of our study last Sabbath, and we indicated that there is this principle in the Bible that by beholding, we become changed. That through contemplation, we have admiration, which leads to our transformation. Amen? that through contemplation about Jesus, it leads to admiration about who Jesus is, and unconsciously there is this transformation that begins to happen in our own character. And we said that this idea of contemplation is to thoughtfully look at a long time. In other words, it's not just to behold, but it is beholding. It is to think about, to take in, to reflect upon, to meditate, and to ponder. So this is continuous action of beholding, and the tense there in the original language is a non-stop beholding, and it's a non-stop transforming. So we have two things that are taking place. As we are beholding, we are unconsciously being transformed. This is the way that it works. As we think about Jesus, the natural byproduct is that we are being transformed in character to become more like Jesus. And we looked at this quotation from the book, Desire of Ages. It would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day, notice the word, in contemplation of the life of Christ. We should take it point by point and let the imagination grasp each scene, especially the closing ones, as we thus dwell upon his great sacrifice for us. Our confidence in him will be more constant, our love will be quickened, and we shall be more deeply imbued with his spirit. So it's this idea that contemplation also involves our imagination. We are to, in imagination, go back to the scenes that we see in Scripture. And as we join Jesus in Gethsemane at the cross, in our imagination, it leads to a transformation that takes place in our lives. And we address this idea 
of the left brain and the right brain activities. The left brain is the an analytical, it's the logical, it is the part that breaks things, uh, the part of the brain that breaks things apart. And then you have the right brain that is about synthesis and imagination. I spent a lot of money, over $40,000, doing my Master of Arts degree, and we spent a lot of hours. Which side of the brain do you think we had our activities in? It was the left side. It was in exegesis, in analysis, in systematic theology and coherence and logic. And we need to do that. Amen? We need critical thinking. Mark Carr knows. He went through it with, at a different time. But here, here we, we have this thing of imagination that, that is many times missing in our thinking when it comes to scholarly studies. And I almost needed some therapy when I got out of the seminary because that side of the brain was, was dormant. And I found that when I read Scripture, it was work, hard work. In analysis, and I realized that God is calling me to engage Him with all of our brains. Amen? Not just the left side, but the left and right side. And the right side involves this emotive feeling of entering into the text. And it's quite li liberating and therapeutic, actually, that I can open my Bible and say, okay, I can give the analysis a rest for this morning, amen? And I can just immerse myself in the experience of the text. There's something that happens when we experience the text in this way, and we read this quotation from Thoughts of the Mount of Blessing. Notice the words that she's using. Let us in, what does it say? In imagination, go back to that scene, and as we sit with the disciples on the mountainside, enter into the thoughts and feelings that filled their hearts, understanding what the words of Jesus meant to those who heard them, we may discern in them a new vividness and beauty and may also gather for ourselves their deeper lessons. This is an important part of how we read Scripture. It's not just to be analysis, exegesis, and critical thinking. It is also to involve imagination, to enter into the scene, to let our emotions enter into the scene. And I believe it is when we do this that Jesus goes from a proposition to a person, from a concept to the Christ, engaging God through our imagination. And we look at the example of John, the beloved, as the character of the divine one was manifested to him, Jesus saw in his own deficiencies and was humbled by the revelation. John saw his deficiencies. Correction. John saw his own deficiencies and was humbled by the revelation. Day by day, in contrast with his own violent spirit, he beheld the tenderness and the forbearance, and heard his lessons of humility and patience, day by day his heart was drawn out to Christ until he lost sight of self in love for his master. The power and tenderness, the majesty and meekness, the strength and patience that he saw in the daily life of the Son of God filled his soul with what? Admiration. He yielded his 
resentful, ambitious temper to the molding of Christ and divine love wrought in him a transformation of character. John had defects. He had a temper. He was ambitious. But as he beheld the beauty of Jesus, it filled his heart with admiration. And through this process of imagination, it led to admiration, which led to his transformation. What is your imagination life like? What is imagination? I looked it up in the dictionary. It's the capacity to produce, and notice what it is, images and ideas and sensations in the mind without any immediate input of the senses, such as seeing or hearing. It's that right side of the brain, and some synonyms for imagination is meditation, visualization, and contemplation, and reflection. Now, I want to make a little note here on meditation. There was this video I was so excited to share, and then things just went downhill after that when I tried it up there. But we need to recognize that there is a fundamental difference in biblical meditation and transcendental meditation. The video I was going to share was a gentleman that was uh, premiered or there was an interview that took place and it was shown on ARTV, Adventist Review Television, and he had gotten into transcendental meditation. He tells a story of how he was practicing these techniques to empty his mind and to reach a certain state of consciousness that he says that he experienced something very unique. He came up out of his body and had an experience where he talked with and saw a person that looked just like Jesus, just like the photos that you see of Jesus, I should say, the paintings that you see of Jesus. And, and he asked him, while he was meditating and in this transcendental state, he asked him, are you Jesus? And he said, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm an elevated being. So they had this communication, and every time he meditated, he would go into this transcendental state and begin dialogue with this being, and he said that their relationship, if you can call it that, developed to the place where he didn't even have to be in this meditative state this being would talk to him as he went through his day. They would have dialogue and engagement and so forth. And he said that later on he went to an evangelical community, accepted Christ, and found, strangely enough, that the same practices that he had been doing with uh, this group that was subscribing to uh, Alistair Bailey and these other types of um, thinkers, uh, that the same practices that they were doing was being practiced in certain evangelical communities as well. We need to recognize that for every truth, there is a counterfeit. And what I believe that this man was actually experiencing was, was spiritualism. He was actually having dialogue with a spirit, a, a being. And this is the type of meditation 
that certain practices are leading to, but here is a fundamental difference between biblical meditation and Eastern meditation. This is a quotation from Conrad Vine. He says, Eastern meditative practices involve the emptying of the mind, whereas biblical meditation involves filling the mind with the Word of God. Fundamental difference. Reflecting carefully upon God's revelation of Himself in scriptures, in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, and upon God's acts in history, including the life of the believer. Eastern meditation, emptying the mind. Biblical meditation, filling your mind with the Word of God. Now, we need to be very careful here because there is a tendency that when you see something that is leading a certain direction like Eastern meditation, that there's the tendency to swing the pendulum and say, you know, I'm not going to practice meditation at all. But I want to show you that meditation, biblical meditation, is something that is not just optional for the Christian life, but biblical meditation is imperative for the Christian experience. Here it is from Psalm 77, verse 2, I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deed. Psalm 119, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Psalm 119, 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. Psalm 119, verse 48, my hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. This is just a sample of them. Last but not least, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Meditation is a very important part of the Christian experience. This is from Christ Object Lessons, page 59. Notice what she says. Merely to hear or read the word is not enough. He who desires to be profited by the scriptures must meditate upon the truth that has been presented to him. God build, bids us fill the mind with great thoughts, pure thoughts. He desires us to meditate on, upon his love and mercy to study his wonderful work in the great plan of redemption. The soul dwelling in the pure atmosphere of holy thought, notice the word here, will be what? will be transformed by communion with God through the study of the Scriptures. Do you have aspects of your character that you want God to change? It doesn't change by focusing on trying to change that behavior. It changes by our imagination. You see, our transformation is not our responsibility. Our imagination is our responsibility. So through meditation, it leads to ultimate transformation. Meditation is an important part of the Christian experience, and this is from our children's story. Remember the word that we talked about, rumination? We say that the cow ruminates, chooses food. So biblical meditation is to ruminate. It is to think about something over and over and over again. Do you remember when you were in love, those initial moments with your spouse? I, mean, I should say you should always be in love with your spouse, but you know what I'm talking about. During those dating days, the initial parts of that dating relationship, 
it's interesting how we're wired because uh, it's this infatuation that takes over us. And when we try to study, remember in school, you try to study, and all you can see when you're trying to study that lesson is the face of that person that you're dating. In other words, that person becomes your meditation. When you get up, when you go through your day, in the evening, the thoughts are continually going through your mind. And unfortunately, because of our sinful nature, the meditation, the thoughts of man have been going naturally in a certain direction. This is in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What do you think people are meditating on naturally today in the streets of Anchorage? What do you think is going through their consciousness? There's a certain trend in humanity that without God, the trend is downward. And here it says that the meditation, the imagination of the thoughts was only evil continually. And God not only wants a certain external, well, I should say this, God is not just interested in outward conformity. Amen? Matter of fact, he'd rather not have that if the thought life is not in accordance. But here, the battle is really for our thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, the battle of the Christian is for the thoughts. Now, there are certain things that just pop in our heads, and the battle is to dismiss and to replace. There's a saying that goes, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in it. There's certain things that just pop in there, and we're not responsible for those, but we are responsible when something pops in there, and you're like, wow, let me just think about that for a little bit. That's where the problem begins. And I think that sometimes we have gone into this area where we say, you know what, I'm not going to do it, but let me think about it a while. Let me enjoy it in my imagination. And the Bible is calling us to this battle of bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. Very quick, the ministry of healing, 491, even the thoughts are not to be allowed to run riot. They must be restrained, brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let them be placed upon holy things. That which at first seems difficult by constant repetition grows easy until right thoughts and actions become habitual. In other words, this takes time. When the thoughts have been habitually running in a different channel, it takes time and energy to focus them in another direction. Very quickly, and as we move on, what does biblical meditation look like? Here it is, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. In other words, biblical meditation, the thought life of the Christian is that when you wake up in the morning, your favorite place that you want to go is to think about Jesus. And as you go through your day, your favorite place that you think about, the person that you want to think about, 
you think about Jesus. And before you go to bed, you think about Jesus as well. We live in a time that is very challenging. I have this slide on the screen. It's actually a screenshot from a blog that was posted at Harvard University's site of the arts and humanities. Notice the title here. It says, Dopamine, Smartphones, and a Battle for Your Time. I want to read a little bit from this post that was put on Harvard University's site. It says, I feel tremendous guilt amidst Chamath Palihapitiya, former vice president of user growth at Facebook to an audience of Stanford students. He was responding to a question about his involvement in exploiting consumer behavior. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works, he explained. In Palihapitiya's talk, he highlighted something most of us know but few really appreciate. Smartphones and the social media platforms they support are turning us into bonafide addicts. These guys are wiring social media with a very keen knowledge of how our brain works. And confession is good for the soul. I had to delete Instagram off of my smartphone. You know? Because I'm a photographer, and, you know, it's my hobby, it's my stress relief, and I would take a picture, and then I would post it on Instagram for my, quote, followers, and every like, every comment, I would get a shot of dopamine. I mean, it's just, I'm just being real. It's like a hit that you get. And you know what I found throughout my day? I was tapping that Instagram app for my next like, my next comment. And it's just like this, you keep going back to it over and over and again. And I realized that Instagram had become my meditation. I'm just being real. And this is a challenge that we have. While it's easy to dismiss, the article goes on, this claim as a, it's easy to dismiss this claim as a hyperbole. Platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram leverage the very same neural circuitry used by slot machines and cocaine to keep us using their products as much as possible. Taking a closer look at the underlying science may give you pause the next time you feel your pocket Buzz. <laughs> That's a nervous laugh there, because you know this is reality. I used to have a Blackberry. Do you remember those before they went extinct? They used to call them Crackberry. Because every time I got an email, my Blackberry would buzz. And I had to go in there to check it because I would get a dopamine hit. And this is where we are today. This is the battle that we face today. Now, these are tools, and we need to ensure that we're controlling the tool and not letting the tool control us. I praise the Lord for my smartphone because I can deposit checks without having to go into the bank. I mean, there's so many things. There's the Bible on there. There's, there's the spirit of prophecy. But I have a sneaking suspicion that when people are doing this, they're not reading the Bible. 
this era that we're living in where our smartphones are the thing that we reach for first in the morning. Come on now. And we think about throughout our day, it is always with us and it is next to our bedstand before we go to sleep at night. God is calling us to think about Him. Psalm 1 verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. This is where God is calling us to, to make Him the subject of our meditation. And you know what? After I get my, or got my Instagram hits, or hits of dopamine, I would always have this sense of emptiness that would come and linger afterwards. Because in reality, I believe that we were all built and made to be addicted to God. And we try to feed that addiction with other things, and we always come up vacuous and emptier than before. He is the desire of all the ages. He's the person that can fill that void. Patriarchs and Prophets, page 85, Enoch the Infinite, uh, this is talking about Enoch, the infinite, unfathomable love of God through Christ became the subject of his meditations day and night with all the fervor of his soul. He sought to reveal that love to the people among whom he dwelt. This is the beauty of meditation. Yes, it takes effort. That effort, that ability only comes from God. But as we choose to spend time thinking about Jesus, he is so beautiful. Amen? And as we get a clearer and more deeper glimpse of Jesus, we can't help but thinking about him more and more. That's the way it works. To the place where Jesus is the person that you think about in the morning, as you go through your day, and in the evening. And I want you with me, by the grace of God, to engage in this 30-day challenge. You don't want to, you don't know the purpose of my sermon. This is, this is it. Here it is. 30-day challenge. And to make time in the morning, put your phone, praise the Lord, on airplane mode. Okay? It'll still be there when you get back. Okay? Put it in another room. I've had to do this many times, or I just started doing this because I realized the trend of where things go. I leave my laptop and my phone at home when I come to church early in the morning to study for my sermon and to spend time in meditation. I have to have it out of the building because I'm an addict, okay? And so I come here, and you know what? I find that it is so rich. Put your phone on airplane mode. Put it away. Choose a Bible passage. Meditate on the text. Use your imagination. Put the analysis to one side and contemplate. Imagine the text. Immerse yourself in the text and journal your thoughts. Journaling has been transformative to me in my life. I have a little journal that I bring with me where I write my notes and pull out of your bulletin. I have a little uh, insert there. It's on meditation and the devotional life. I was in such a rush here that I did not get one. Does someone have one they can pass to me? I'll give it back, I promise. It's an insert. It's a trifold insert on meditation. Here we go. Thank you. I promise I'll give it back. And this is from Conrad Vine. He's adapted, uh, adapted it for this format for this study guide. And 
uh, it has some points on meditation. You may be asking yourself, oh, how am I to do this in terms of meditation? Carve out some time in your morning. Ask the Lord to get you up early. It's amazing how he does this. He will wake you up. He'll get his angel to tap you on the shoulder, and you will get up. Just make sure you get out of bed. And I want to look at the bullet points here very quickly about what meditation involves. Meditation involves a conscious reflection and chewing upon God's revelation of himself in Scripture, nature, salvation history, and personal experience. The purpose of meditation is to grow in Christ-likeness, to reflect the character of Christ more and more. This happens as we grow daily from merely knowing God's Word to understanding how to apply God's revealed will in our own lives. Meditation may involve the memorization and vocalization of Scripture. Meditation may involve singing Scripture to oneself. Meditation is to be a continual activity of one's mind and heart. Meditation may involve the sanctified use of one's imagination to project oneself into the biblical story in order to better appreciate and apply the spiritual lessons within the story. Journal. As we get to the last part here of our 30-day challenge, journal as you meditate. A journal is a diary in which we write about our life with God. As we can't separate life from God, When we journal, we are not to merely be writing about our life with God, but we are to be writing our own lives and how God is present in our lives. All you need are a book with blank pages and a pen. We can use our journal to write down these bullet points, important discoveries from your personal Bible study prayer and time at church with other Christian meetings, prayer requests for others and God's answers, questions and problems for God, private thoughts and feelings about your journey with God, helpful quotations or Bible verses that you want to remember, things that you have learned about yourself, God, and life, successes and thanks to God, anything else as it relates to your spiritual growth. It is completely up to you. Explore a particular subject related to your spiritual journey. For example, how does God communicate with me? Pray constantly. Be humble and open to God's voice. Determine to follow where God leads. Prioritize your life around your time with God. Remember, your purpose is to reflect Jesus more and more in your character to be more, to, to, and to more fully live God's will for you. Thank you. I remember when I was leading a team of canvassers, teenagers, going door to door in the countryside of Michigan. Ten weeks with 10 teenagers. You slept in the same room with them, ate with them. You were their counselor, you were their dean, you were their pastor. I mean, it's just, couldn't believe these parents entrusted us to these kids. It was exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. And every morning, by the grace of God, I would get up and walk out to this little playground that was about two blocks from the church that we were staying with my Bible. I look back on those times and I'm just like, what a sanctuary it was. Just me and God, just communion, talking with him. Every time walking back from that sanctuary in time, I was rejuvenated.
not just spiritually, but physically, emotionally. It was as if I had just been infused with new life. And communion with God is our highest privilege. Amen? Highest privilege. It it is so profound and so beautiful. And if there's anything that the devil wants to do, he wants to crowd out our lives with good things, important things. So it robs that time with God. Even for the pastor. (laughs) Even for the pastor, you can get so involved in good things that it takes away from that time with God. And this is a sermon for me to guard this time with God. Amen? Amen. To, To guard our time with God in the morning, to spend this time with Him and to meditate upon Jesus in the morning as we go through our day and before we go to bed at night. It's my prayer for us as a community of faith that Jesus and his beauty and his character will become our favorite thoughts that we like to think. Amen? And that by thinking these thoughts, we will be transformed into the same image. How many of you want that? Amen? How many of you want to be like Jesus? Oh, amen. Let us pray. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you are beautiful. That we, we thank you that that reflection of your beauty is found in the face of Jesus Christ. And Lord, today, we want to behold that beauty. We want to be enraptured by the beauty of who you are. May that thought be the subject of our meditation and our imagination. Father in heaven, we pray that you would work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Lord, we have no willpower. Our promises are like ropes of sand, but we pray that you would create in us today a deeper desire for you. Help us to fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Help us to think about you over and over and over again. Oh, Lord, let the thoughts of our hearts and our own meditations be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, our Christ and our Redeemer. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.